so it was autumn of 1997 when I found myself with uh, latex gloves on, scrub brush in my hand, elbow deep in the toilets of the ladies' room in an administration building in Bloomington, Minnesota. Now, just a few months before that, I had been the operations manager for a FedEx station in northwest Georgia. And I'll never forget, as I was spraying Windex on the windows in that ladies' room, that I caught my reflection and could not help but think, how in the world did you get here? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking he makes these things up. But the story I'm about to unfold is absolutely true. Don't go anywhere. The journey continues. So I honestly struggle with finding a place to start this story because it it really began in 1994 when I had that moment of transformation sitting in my office in Atlanta and I made the commitment that I would say yes to whatever that the Lord asked me to do. Um, and that that commitment was uh, was challenged pretty quickly and, and I'll tell you that story at another time, but by 1997, uh, in the spring, early summer, um, I had been doing a variety of things. Uh, I'd been doing street ministry. Uh, I had been in the pulpit a little bit, uh, doing music ministry, uh, doing uh, a continual Bible study at the Youth Detention Center. That was very, very fulfilling. Uh, also, preaching on the radio, was part of a radio uh, team. So doing a variety of things and began feeling the stirring of God, again, that holy discontent that said it was time to step away from the security of uh, Federal Express, where I had been working for almost 14 years, and to go into full-time ministry. And that was a weird thing because at that point I had four children under the age of 10. Um, yeah, under the age of 10. So <laughs> I have to always count on my toes to get their birthdays right. But yes, my oldest would have been nine and the youngest was, uh, was two. So we were sitting there and I'll never forget I just had that feeling, and it's continued to grow, right? I mean, it's this is not something that you just you know wake up one day and say, oh, I think I'll do this. No, it was just this sense that God was calling me to step out in faith, to do something uh, a bit radically different. And I knew that, um, you know, I was fixing to drag my wife and children into something, you know, challenging if if we made that step. And I wasn't unhappy with my job. I was making decent money. And again, I'd been there for almost 14 years. I was fully vested and I'd had a variety of experiences. But, you know, I was I was doing fine. But I just had that realization, that growing sense that it was time to do something else. So um, 
one day I finally worked up the nerve to talk to Jamie about that. Um, again, anyone that thinks that leaps of faith are simple uh, has never taken one. This was uh, this was a big one. So I'll never forget. She was sitting in the bathroom brushing her hair. And I was leaning up against the door into the bathroom, standing there with that look on my face that men have when they have something to say and they don't have any idea how to say it. And she looked at me, you know, from the mirror and saw me standing there and she said, what, what is it? And so I just leapt in. I said, well, I really think God is calling me to, to leave FedEx and go into ministry. And my expectation was that she was going to look at me and laugh and say, yeah, uh, sorry, kid, we've got a house to pay for. We have children to feed. Uh, so you just keep doing what you're doing, but no. Um, but instead she looked at me and she said, I know God's been telling me the same thing. At which point we looked at each other and knew that we at that moment had to kind of make a decision. What, what are we going to do? And we prayed about it and we talked about it. And I, uh, I turned in my resignation with Federal Express. I ended up working a month. I gave them two weeks notice when they asked me to stay a little longer. And so I stayed on for a month as we worked through um, what was going to happen next. And, and the thing is, is that I had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew that I was being called by God to walk away from the security of, of that job and then leap into what would open up next. But I had no idea what that was going to be. Uh, I know, it, it sounds crazy, but we really did that. And um, I called my uncle, who is a pastor, longtime pastor, and, and I said, you know, I'm, I really feel like I'm being called into to ministry. And he said, well, you should probably get some training. And I said, well, yeah, but I've got, you know, a wife and kids. I'm not sure how to do that. And he said, well, there's this school. Uh, it's called Bethany College of Missions. It's up in Bloomington, Minnesota. Now, mind you, I'm living, you know, just northwest of Atlanta uh, in the area that I was born and raised in. I had never been further north than, I think, um, Tennessee at this point in my life. But here we were. Um, and I said, well, okay. And it was kind of getting late in the year, but I called and sent off and applied for admission into Bethany College of Missions. Um, and it's a great program. Basically, it's uh, it was set up to as a missionary training school. And uh, it's a little bit different now, but at that point in time, you know, we went in and you would go to class half the day and then you would work on campus half the day, your practical training, they called it. And again, it was kind of aimed at, you know, young people right out of high school, you know, in their late teens, early 20s. Um, at this point in time, I was 34 years old. And you know, a little bit older than everybody else, but um, at the very last minute, they made room for us and uh, gave us, extended the offer, asked us to come join the college, and 
you know, and again, I was an operations manager at FedEx. I had worked up from part-time courier uh, to full-time courier. Uh, I'd been in management and then was in management when I, when I left. And so this was a total change of pace. And, you know, we had to, um, we had to sell our house. So that was very interesting. We actually, at that point in time, the church we had been going to uh, was falling apart, and we actually didn't have a home church to send us. But we had found this little church not too far away, and we're going there. And the father of the pastor happened to be a real estate agent, and he came over and... Um, well, long story short, we closed on the house the week after we got to Minnesota. Uh, and so between what little we made off the house and my retirement savings, um, we had a little bit of a nest egg to live off of. But basically, we were we were students living in a dormitory. I'll never forget, we, we loaded up our U-Haul truck with what we thought were the essentials for a family of six and headed up and actually took more than we needed, but that was okay. We were able to set up our room, our bedroom, and then we had two rooms uh, for the kids. So the three boys shared a room and Chelsea had a room. And then right down the hall were Bruce and Eileen. They were from China. And so we were living in a, a you know, all down a hallway with folks from China. On the other side were Lance and Tracy and their three children and then past them uh, was another young couple from Austria that uh, actually from England but anyway very long it's a missionary community people from different places who had grown up in different places we found ourselves in this international setting surrounded by people from all over the world all people who loved Jesus Christ and had incredible stories to tell then I started, you know, we, we got settled in and I started, um, my practical training. And I was thinking, of course, you know, they'll use my logistics experience or my management experience or whatever, and plug me into some, you know, cool job. And, and I got put on the, um, on the housekeeping team, which is how I found myself in the ladies room, <laughs> elbow deep in toilets and, um, ladies, you are no less disgusting than men. I know I've cleaned both. But um, anyway, that was, that was just an incredible thing where so many times in that process, God opened doors, closed doors, and provided for us. And that was, you know, um, a huge leap. And we were there for for two and a half years, and um, that was two and a half of the greatest years of my life. I learned an awful lot, more than just in the studies that I had, but a lot from the people that I had uh, in my life. If you'll stick with me, uh, I'll come back and kind of um, share a couple of the lessons that I learned while I was at Bethany College of Missions in Bloomington, Minnesota way back in 1997 till 1999. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Join me every day, Monday through Friday, for 5 Minutes with Mark. 
as we take a leisurely stroll through the Gospel of Mark and encounter this incredible story of Jesus in a fresh and new way. Don't miss it. You know, again, there's there's just so many stories to unpack from a two and a half year experience that there's no way I can do it in, you know, a couple of minutes and do it any kind of justice at all. <clears throat> but I'll share I'll share a few thoughts. Some of the things that I learned being at Bethany uh, first was to get a global perspective on church. Again, we, we arrived in a U-Haul full of stuff, and a guy named Steve from Plymouth, England, helped me unload it. And uh, Steve and I became close friends. And Steve had a different experience than I had. He saw things a little bit differently. There was uh, Makito, who was Japanese. There was Anaklet from Africa, Matthew and Plinza from Liberia. There was Bruce and Eileen from China. There were people there from just about every continent and people from a variety of backgrounds. And the thing that you begin to understand when you find yourself in an international setting is that people are the same even though their accents are different, even though their skin tones are different, even though their cultural experiences are different, we're all the same. Which is why, you know, war and global conflict seem so pointless because you realize that the people on both sides of the gun are just people. That was that was an eye-opening experience for me. It's cold in Minnesota. I'd never really experienced cold before, but we certainly experienced it uh, when we were there. You know, I mean, I'm used to Georgia snow, where it snows a little bit, and we all stay home for two days, and then it melts, and, and you go on. I wasn't used to sidewalks being you know, clean in the middle of the night so that they didn't build up too hard so that you could, you know, actually walk around the next day or piles of snow that were still there a month later from where the parking lot had been scraped or temperatures that were dropping down into, I don't know, the minus teens for extended periods of time. That was that was a brand new experience for me. And and I learned between Minneapolis and and uh, Thunder Bay, Ontario, that I, I I don't like cold. I don't mind Georgia cold. Georgia cold is fine, but when you get into the minus double digits Fahrenheit for extended periods of time, well, that's just uncomfortable, and your skin gets dry. I can't explain to you how how dry your skin gets. It feels like someone is just ripping it off of you, and, and you just want to scratch it. Now, there's a weird thing about me. I, I really detest lotion. I don't like the feel of lotion. My wife is a lotion addict. 
And I get it. It's fine. I don't mind other people enjoying lotion. I just don't want it on me. But when I was living up north and it would be so dry in the wintertime, I was would beg her to put the intensive care lotion on my back because I just was so miserable. It is dry up there. The other thing that you learn about Minnesota is that in the summertime, it's hot and muggy. It's the land of 10,000 lakes. There's actually, I think, 15,000 lakes in the state of Minnesota, uh, including the big boundary water wetlands and, and uh, some big lakes and stuff. Um, and it is humid in July and August. It's really, really miserable and not a lot of air conditioning up there because for most of the year, you don't need it. And the yellow jackets. The yellow jackets and the mosquitoes are real, friends. Uh, the mosquito is the state bird for Minnesota. Um, they're huge. They will actually suck blood through your sweatshirt or your blue jeans. I know you think I'm kidding, but no, I have had a mosquito land on my pants leg. And when I hit it, it exploded with blood where it was sucking my lifeblood out of my leg through denim. These are big mosquitoes. We don't have anything like that in the South. This is, is a real thing. And and and, uh, and like late August, the yellow jackets are ferocious and they're everywhere and you can't get away from them. And they are, they know they're about to die and they want to take as many people with them as they can. It, it's just horrible. I learned that I'm a Southerner. I guess I always knew that I was a Southerner, but I didn't realize how much of a Southerner I was until I lived up North. I'll never forget sitting around the uh, dining room table one day talking with, with uh, some folks uh, from Canada and from uh, Minnesota and, and began talking about the war. And they all looked at me and said, you know, what war are you talking about? Now where I live, the Civil War is everywhere. The relics, the remnants. Uh, I went hiking just the other day with my granddaughter at the Pickett's Mill battlefield uh, where you can walk through and still see the, the trench work uh, from the Confederate soldiers digging in for one of the pitched battles uh, in the Battle of Atlanta. I mean, we live, I live in a major Civil War area. My wife grew up her dad actually dug cannonball fragments up out of his yard when he was plowing his garden. I mean, we live where the war happened. And I discovered that people in Minnesota don't have a memory of the Civil War. That was something that happened in the 1860s, and they won, and they moved on. And here in the South, we lost, and we didn't move on. There's still... There's still a lot of hurt feelings about that conflict and a lot of misinformation and uh, a lot of things that, that people say about it that still drive me crazy because it's not as simple and straightforward as people want it to be. And I will do a Civil War episode sometime to express my deep opinions on that. But uh, anyway, I, I didn't realize how Southern I was until I found myself surrounded by Yankees and foreigners. And I was the only, we were the only Southerners there, right? Nobody, we, we were as strange to them as they were to us. It was pretty fascinating to learn that about yourself.
And I learned that I didn't know nearly as much as I thought I did about the Bible, about spiritual things, and about faith. I met a lot of people whose faith stories far exceeded mine. Uh, Jamie and I, you know, quitting work, selling our house, moving, leaving everything and, and moving to Minnesota with our kids. You know, it was a big deal. Don't get me wrong. It was a big step. But uh, we did not flee from war. Uh, we did not, you know, go through nearly as much as a lot of people who I went to, to school with went through to be in the same place. And that was very sobering and very challenging um, and humbling. And I think for me, one of the biggest things that I learned from my Bethany experience was humility, was the understanding that I was not nearly as um, gifted or as important or as spiritual as I thought I should be or thought I was. And um, I think that's what God was doing for me there, was opening my eyes to my own fallibility. And at the same time, giving me, giving me friends that I still have. And uh, one of the greatest blessings I had was the, uh, my worship team. Uh, we called ourselves Stoned and Left for Dead, <laughs> which, uh, you know, still makes me giggle. It's biblical. You know, it was about the Apostle Paul, who was indeed stoned and left for dead. But, um, you know, it was always fun to, to use that name. We did... Uh, chapel services. We did uh, worship services. We actually played as the worship band for this strange little church in downtown Minneapolis for a while. Um, and we did street ministry together, street music, a lot of stories there. And um, and we recorded a CD. And so I would, uh, and I wish I could play that for you, but I can't figure out how to rip a CD anymore because, you know, CDs are so 90s, but I'll figure it out. I do have one song that was recorded a little bit later on. We kind of did it long distance with, uh, you know, by creating files and passing them back and forth. And so I'm going to include that uh, song at the end of the podcast so that you can hear just a little bit of what Stoned and Left for Dead was all about. But I do want to give a shout out to uh, my friends uh, Doug and Darren up in Thunder Bay and Robin. Hey, Robin. And uh, Chris in Minneapolis and Curtis, who I think is in Michigan. And uh, to Adrian in Ireland and Merrily, wherever you are, if you hear this, know that you're on my heart and I'm thinking about you. I miss you. I love you guys. All of you. And uh, hope that things are going well wherever you find yourself today. Anyway. That is just, again, a slice of the journey that uh, we have been on. And again, so many great stories. And uh, so now that I've kind of laid down a little background, I can go in and, and tell you some more detailed things that happened while we were in Minnesota and share some of the things that happened uh, between 1994 and 1997, uh, because there's some pretty interesting stuff in there too. At the end of the day, a journey of faith is just that. It is a journey. Jesus Christ calls us to follow him, to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. And following Jesus means that you're going where he's going, not where you want to go. And I have found that to be incredibly rewarding 
incredibly challenging and, um, but absolutely worth it every step of the way and worth it today as we continue in that journey. So wherever you are in your walk with God, uh, whether it's, uh, if you have no walk with God, I encourage you take that step. If you're walking with God and you're, uh, feeling that challenge, I would encourage you, take that step. Whatever point you find yourself, whatever the challenge before you, don't be afraid. Take that step and follow after Jesus Christ. It will be worth it, I promise. Hey, life is a journey. So travel well and enjoy that journey. Don't be afraid of the adventure. Go for it. And know that as you go, you never go alone because there is a creator who loves you and who is with you every step of the way. I hope this encourages you today. And until we meet again, God bless. Enjoy the song. Take care of my mind
do appreciate you listening to the podcast and if you're enjoying it I'd wish you'd do me a favor if you would just like this subscribe if you can rate it give me that five star rating that would certainly help and be sure to share it with your friends and go check out my website theeclecticmonk.com and check out the new eclectic monk shop tab you can go on you can get t-shirts pillows mugs beer mugs coffee mugs, all kind of stuff with a logo on there. Go buy some stuff. That'll really help me out as we continue on this adventure. Anyway, thanks again for listening. All nine of you are my deepest inspiration. You don't want to miss that one of nine t-shirt that is now available. Go to the website. Thanks. Bye.